feels good to say this. That's a win for the Milwaukee Brewers. A lot of dramatics in the game, but that is a win for the Milwaukee Brewers as they take down the Orioles 5-4 to four at Camden Yards. It got a little dicey, a little hairy, but it's a victory. Rowdy, it feels good, doesn't it, to talk about a win for the Brewers? Much needed win. Yeah, they started Much last win. They started last season 1-3 and three and then went on to win, you know, 95 games, the NL Central. So they started this season one and three, but now they just got their victory. So move the Brewers up in the rankings a little bit as they got it done. Andrew McCutcheon early returns this season. Andrew McCutcheon, an absolute baller. That dude had three ribbies last night and has been in fuego uh, for the Brewers to start this year so far. Uh, Willie Adamas looking really good. Yelly, what? Yelly looked. Rowdy's got an idea with Yelly that I want to get to coming up here, but what would you think of what you think of Yelly yesterday, last night, Rowdy? A couple of good, a couple more good at bats. Yeah, it's stacking success for Christian Yelich. That's nice to see. And then there's the dramatics of what happened at the end of the game. I right, Rowdy, when uh, first it was the starting pitching that couldn't uh, throw strikes. You know, you had Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser. Uh, you know, to an extent, Eric Lauer, all these guys were having a hard time not walking guys. And then it turned to Devin Williams, who walked the bases or walked a bunch of guys. Bases got loaded. And then he went one, two, three, striking him out in the eighth. What do you think of Devin Williams making everyone sweat it out for that victory? I wanted to like Homer Simpson choke Bart Simpson again. It was that that <laughs> meme just. <laughs> Throw strikes like it's not that hard. Yeah, I wanted to just scream it. Did, did you scream it internally, or did you actually do it? Scream no, it I screamed TV? it internally, but yeah. it was like, my God, throw strikes. Yeah, so Devin Williams up there making us all sweat. Uh, but then it was cool to see him go boom, 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 strike out the next three. Uh, Josh Hader came up. There was a little dramatics there of Hader, but um, you know, more times than not, I always know Josh Hader's going to shut the door and close him out. So Hader picks up his second save. I don't know. What you, so starting pitching, let's start out here. Here, What do you think of Eric Lauer? Four and one-third innings work, three hits, uh, three earned runs, struck out five. He did walk two. He gave up a dinger. What would you think of Eric Lauer for the starting pitching experience we've had so far? I thought he's basically looked like every single other starting pitcher <laughs> that the Milwaukee Brewers has had. Uh, basically didn't have his best stuff, fought some of his command. Obviously, he walked some guys too. But when it was all said and done, for the most part, Outside of the Cedric Mullins Grand Slam, I thought he pitched okay. Like you take away the Grand Slam, they didn't do a ton. He he would have scattered some hits and walks. How annoying is that when the sorry when the Brewers get a lead and then the next inning give it up right away? Yeah, it's it's called needing a shutdown inning. It's so annoying. It's the biggest backbreaker in sports. It's like in football, you just go ahead. All right, your defense needs a stop, and then you can't get one. We've seen that as Packer fans yep. with the high scoring offense and bad defense over the years. Yep. It's the same thing with baseball. It's it's like such a momentum. If you can if you can hold the other team after taking the lead or scoring runs, it's such like a backbreaker because it just kills their momentum after you just took it from them. But yeah. Brewers give up a grand slam. But by the way, I remember before the series started, you're like, what do you know about Baltimore? And I'm like, yeah, they got about two, three good players that yeah. are worth much that aren't just prospects or or like quadruple A players. Yeah. Named one being Cedric Mullins. 
And he's the one. He literally has accounted for every single run that they've scored in this two-game series so far. He's the one. He He's accounted for all six of their runs. <laughs> and so, okay, if memory serves me correct, the Milwaukee Brewers gave up the first home run of the entire Major League Baseball season to Nico Horner against the Chicago Cubs. So the Brewers were the first team to give up a home run to start the Major League Baseball season. I, I have not... I'm going out on a limb and guessing this because I haven't heard of one. Are the Brewers now the first club to give up a grand slam this season? Because I haven't heard of any other grand slams. Not sure. I, I, I'm not sure either. But don't quote me on it, but I feel like the Brewers gave up the first. I know they gave up the first home run of the season to Nico Horner of the Cubs. And I feel like the Brewers last night are the first team in the majors to give up a grand slam. Don't quote me on that, but it, it feels right. Yeah, Mullins, dude, he's... You did name him, and wasn't the other two you named not even on the roster anymore? Or no, no, that was for round. No, that was for I was salary. talking for salary, but the other yeah. one was Trey Mancini, who had a pretty good night last night. Yeah, you had two hits last night, Mancini. Those are those are their two bigger names that aren't necessarily prospects or guys that haven't just flashed for like half a season. Yeah, uh, not flash or hopefully flashing continues to flash all season. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, man, and McCutcheon three RBI night, including a tie-breaking single in the seventh. You would be incorrect with the first Grand Slam. Pete Alonzo (laughs) had the first Grand Slam three days ago. Former Madison Mallard, Pete Alonzo with the Grand Salami. Man, all right, so the Brewers did not fall victim of the first Grand Slam of the season. All right, Pete Alonzo, he's the one getting it done. Yeah, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, though, man, three RBIs. Willie Adamas scoring three runs for the crew. Um, And then it's just really Mullins for the, the Orioles. When you look at Andrew McCutcheon, Rowdy, this is just, I don't expect him to stay hot like this the entire season, but it's kind of like um, what we've seen in the past with the Brewers, uh, guys here and there getting hot for a stretch of a time, right? Like Andrew McCutcheon maybe starts the season off hot, then maybe Yelich can pick it up after McCutcheon maybe cools down, or Willie Adamas can get it going. Um, that's kind of like what the Brewers' MO has been these past couple of years, right? You just have a guy carrying you in stretches? I mean... Outside of 2018, where Christian Yelich pretty much carried that offense from May till September, Mm -hmm. and then outside of 2019, where Christian Yelich carried that offense from basically April till uh, through August before he uh, followed that ball off of his kneecap. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of our lives, it's been a lot of revolving door offense just because the Brewers haven't had big time superstars outside of like the. Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder era. Yeah, there's like there's not been one. Yeah, outside of the the Yelia, which you were talking about uh, to carry the team. So looking at this rowdy, um, got the rubber match today for the Milwaukee Brewers and the Baltimore Orioles. So we got the rubber match here. As long as the Brewers um, can get this nice little road on the who, who is it? Corbin Burns today. Corbin Burns versus John Means, a lefty. What do you know about? You know anything about John? Uh, Means? I believe he was a one-time All Star back a couple of years ago. He had a pretty good year, if I remember correctly. John Means, uh, Left, he, lefty. He had a lot of issues last year staying healthy, but I believe the year before he was an All Star. Kind of like the he was pretty good, but he's the All Star because Baltimore didn't have any other candidates. Yeah, I I want to say that's what. Uh, Let's see, 20, what is he, 28 years old? He's a lefty, like I said a couple times. John Means against Corbin Burns. I guess, what are we looking for for Corbin Burns? Just to throw strikes? 
like stop no, throwing a bunch no. of balls. We're looking for Corbin Burns to be the the ace of this staff and go out there and throw a dandy and have the Brewers win this series against a lowly Baltimore team. I, I like that. A lowly Baltimore team of Corbin Burns get out there to look like the Cy Young that he was uh, last year. So six yes, five. John Means was a one time All Star. That a boy, Rowdy. Look at that. 2019. Rowdy's got it dialed in when it comes to baseball here. So yeah, six oh five. Broadcast starts at five thirty here locally on the Zone. So you can go check that out. We'll uh, we'll get to some awesome plays. Uh, last night I have uh, Willie Adamas just absolutely crushing it. And then, Rowdy, we also got to get into a little bit of some Packers. I don't know. Everyone who is new or promoted for assistant coaches in the Green Bay Packers met with the media yesterday. We'll have some audio, especially from Rich Basacci, the special teams coordinator. We got to get into Wisconsin basketball. They have their new backup point guard. This guy comes from UW-Green Bay. There's uh, still some... Some open spots on this roster. Looking at you, transfer portal, and we also got to get into some uh, some more Wisconsin football. All kinds of good stuff. Let's go to the phones quick. Good morning. Who's this? Terry from the North Side. Hey, what's up, Terry? Oh my God! First of all, before I get into this conspiracy thing, Ooh. conspiracy Wednesday. I mean, my God, yes. the, you know. But first of all, uh, first of all, I found this out that they didn't block the Cubs out in this damn block. They blocked the Brewers out. I wanted to watch the Brewers Baltimore yesterday after watching the Cubs beat Pittsburgh and it's blocked out. They're going to they are going to force me to buy this Brewer channel. If I want to watch this baseball what, game, what, what do you have cable or dish? What do you have? Oh, uh, no, I, I, I bought um, the, the Amazon stick Yeah, and I bought the MLB package. Oh, they blacked the, uh, the Brewers out. Yeah. But they're forcing every, I mean, I just thought it was because of the Cubs. They're forcing every Brewer game to go buy this Bailey's. And see, I can't without a prescriber. I can't buy it. Well, see, I don't get it either. I don't have it either, Terry, because I don't have cable. So it's only on Charter Spectrum and I always forget this, Rowdy, DirecTV? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just on DirecTV and Charter, and neither Rowdy or I have it. Yeah, I got rid of all that crap. Yeah, same. So we're, we're the same area as you, Terry. So you had to have Charter Spectrum or Dish. Has because it. I have a smart TV, so I try to buy it right through Bailey. You know, like, like yeah, they jam you up. They don't let you do that. Yeah, it's I stupid. A bunch of crap. I know it's so dumb. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I've always been one to enjoy the other teams' announcers. So I'm watching the, the Cub Pirate game from the Pittsburgh um, um, from the TV announcers. And by the way, they're really high on this Hayes, this third baseman, this signed for eight years for God knows how much money. Yeah. Did he hurt his wrist though? Yesterday. Uh, he did recently. Oh, I don't know. I, I know he played yesterday and sold second. Um, that I do know. But I got to tell you this: they had this stupid ass commercial, and it was about how you go on vacation, you can rent a house, you know, or rent places. Yeah. Of all things, it's got the greatest quarterback ever to play in the history of Wisconsin, Brett Favre. Oh, love Brett Favre at his home. With all these people lined up to use the bathroom. I mean, they're talking about how he's got a tennis court, basketball court, all this other crap, but only one bathroom. And <laughs> Favre is taking a bubble bath. Hell yeah. In his commercial. And so this is Brett bubble time. Brett Favre is a star of a Pittsburgh commercial. And I'm just wondering, I don't know if, of course, that would probably wouldn't be locally. But I'll be honest with you, the greatest quarterback in history ever played in the state of Wisconsin. is taking a goddamn bubble bath. Terry, you're not a bath. You're not a bath kind of guy. Well, not with 25 people that are 
God knows who they are standing in my living room waiting for to use the bathroom. <laughs> and this is Brett Evil. I seriously, I don't know. I don't you know. I don't know if you can Google it or not. But I mean, I'm, trying, I'm trying to find it right now. Watching, trying to find uh, it right what, now. Watching Favre take his bowl of ab. Oh, here it is. I th- uh, is this a serious XM commercial? I think. Yeah, there, there's yeah. Sir, there's uh, oh, there's one of the Williams sisters. There's uh, okay, there's a bunch of people waiting to take a bath. I see it, Terry, and there's Brett Favre in a nice little bubble bath. <laughs> it looks very relaxing <laughs> with the gunslinger. Look at that. I mean, Mike, yeah, he like this is bread bubble time or something like that. Terry, are you saying. a bath man? Should a, should a, can a man take a bath? Is it? I take. Oh yeah, I'll tell you what. My, uh, my late wife used to really load my bathtub up. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you, you tell you, she's climbed right in there with me. You know what I'm saying? Oh I mean, hell yeah, Terry. We spent big times on a bathtub. I mean, it, it, you think it was a small pool? I love a good soak, Terry. So does Nelly Ooh. over here. Man, turn them jets on and let's go. Yeah, baby. Ooh. So anyway. After watching the game, the, the, the commissioner of baseball gives me a call. Conspiracy. He says, Terry, you've got to stop posting this and making my umpires look bad. I go, VR was safe at first base, by it wasn't even close. Oh, I saw, I saw that picture you posted, Terry. And he went to instant replay, and replay proved him totally wrong. He says, you have to stop doing this. There's no way we could let. The Brewers lose all three games to Chicago. <laughs> is that, is that what it is? <laughs> There's just no way this could happen. Hey. So we had to. I had to call. I had to tell the umpire, no, you cannot make the right call. You're going to have to make the wrong call. And so there we are. We have the first evidence of the year of the conspiracy of, of the commissioner of baseball overruling his umpires. So the Brewers could win a game. Hey, we'll so- take it. Usually, I thought Bud Selig would be the one to do that, but I'll take Rob Manford giving the Brewers a little love then. No, Bud Selig was too busy having his daughter Wendy running a program into the ground. You know that was that was that was his main key. You know the man, I mean, the man was, from Milwaukee, Bud Selig. Was not even close? That's the thing. Look, I know these umpires. I know a lot of them personally. I I'd love to go to their clinics. I love to listen to their speeches. Tell Angel Hernandez that we them, called him a douchebag. By the way, every one of them have got uh, <laughs> you. Had the only ones. Every one of them used to have the old Madison phone books with ten thousand pages of them full of phone numbers resumes of these umpires and to miss a call and then New York or whoever misses his call. That is the, disgusting guy. I mean, oh, yeah. The worst, the, Terry, the worst, the worst replay for, and getting calls right or wrong comes from major league baseball. They, they have some, they have go to New York and they have all the angles and they, when they still get it wrong, it's one of the dumbest. It's like so mind numbing. You can't get this wrong. I mean, a minor league guy, I mean, this evil, let's be honest. It was not even close. He beat it by a good second. Yeah, I'm looking but at your picture right here on was. your Facebook page, Terry. Hey, Terry, by the way, speaking of, uh, uh, is there still like a ref ump problem? Like people don't want to go out and do the job anymore? Do you, are you experiencing that in your in your walk of life here? Oh, I am. I mean, these people that want to hire me, you know, they're, they're offering to fly me everywhere to, Ooh, to go do Playboy lifestyle, games. yeah. And matter of fact, there's this lady out of Mississippi, I believe it was, who did a, a local um so it was a fast pitch. I believe it was a 12 year old uh, USA tournament. Um, who an umpire was sick, you know, and, and then so she took a place. And they asked one of the, the um, fans to leave. Well, I think I saw this. Yeah, I saw this. I mean, this bi, you know what? She 
drilled this umpire. Yeah, she she she, she dude Terry, she like she like Mike Tyson punched her. She had a huge black eye. And it's funny the lady that because uh, she, she got tossed for swearing. I was reading about it. She got tossed out of the game for swearing. So she came up and she sucker punched the ump right in the face. And the yeah, lady posted a picture of it. And the the mom who got arrested now she her mugshot she's wearing a shirt that says mom of the year on it it's hilarious and she was fined 400 bucks and got released 20 minutes later yeah it's crazy 400 bucks yeah it's crazy and hitting an umpire is supposed to be a felony i'll tell you what i've had no they, had they some, tried to do they tried to make that a, a law terry but it, it died they, the the bill died how in the hell can that die i mean that's, i was reading about it last night i was reading about last night the bill died the bill died Figures, because they probably got bought out or something. I don't know. I don't but, know you either. know, I mean, again, yes. There is such a, I mean, I'm 66 years old. I'm a, a very good amateur to an extent, trying to go to the next level at my age. And I'm going to be honest with you. I still know, one thing I do know, I know the rules. I know them rules inside out, outside, and every which way. And I passed every high te- every test I've ever taken 98 point whatever. I'll, I'll miss some dumbass off the wall question. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, Ebola, I don't mean to break on this. But yeah, I mean, it's to the point where these people are absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get, well, honestly, I go back to that call. They are nuts. How can you, you can't miss that on purpose. You can't. <laughs> I don't want to tell you, you Terry. Buddy, if this you're going to have to let, you're around, have to let it go. That was from what, Saturday up. or Sunday? You're going to let, you're gonna have to let it go, Terry. Yeah, but you know what? You guys would. Here's one thing, but I know I love you, but I know you're 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 a true man. And Nelson, I know you're about the facts, like the old dragnet. So, but this is a fact, dragnet. man. It's a fact. <laughs> but you know what? This I'm serious. You you can't tell me anything else than this was a conspiracy because it was not even close. Terry, it's a conspiracy, and I'm here for it. We love you, buddy. Happy Wednesday, dude. Good morning. Hey. Yeah, good morning, and um, yeah, you guys are right about that um, that grand slam. I was just going to let you know about yep. that because well, all right, people, you have to get. Let me say one more thing, real yeah, quick. Hurry up, because I, uh, I couldn't watch the Brew Oriole game. I ended up watching the Dodgers against the Minnesota Twins. Nelson, here's my question to you, and I'm going to hang up and let you go. If you had to make it a bet again today, all over on the Minnesota Twins, how far would you have them going into playoffs? Gentlemen, have a great day. Go Cubs. See you, see you later. See you what yes? What was it? How far would the Twins the go twins in the playoffs? Go. They would Man, lose I'd have first to round. Sit down and look at it. They would lose first round, Terry. Well, one you'd have to figure that they're not the favorite in their division. Mm-hmm. That'd be the White Sox. They, but they do have expanded expanded playoffs. But that. the East is loaded, where you have Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston. I would probably go out on a limb and say they don't make the playoffs. Who? And if they do, would they lose first round right away, Rowdy? Just history cause. history would say if you believe in <laughs> trends, yes. Because that's what they always do, losing the first round. Yeah, I'll have to get to this umpire story, man. This is crazy out of, um, what was it, uh, Mississippi, where um, it was tw- a 12-year-old softball game gone wrong. Did you, I, I know you saw the picture. That lady got punched good in the face by another lady, and the lady who did the punching in her mugshot, I kid you not, the shirt says, Mother... Of the year. Incredible. Yeah, she looked everything but. <laughs> yeah, they let her out right away, too. And there were you. There were supposed to be, Terry is right, it was supposed to be a felony to attack a referee, an umpire, or whatever, but that bill died.
All right, we got to get to uh, Rich Basaccia. He uh, was on the podium yesterday for the Packers, the new special teams coordinator. And he had some very intriguing things to say on the podium. And I, I, I like the cut of his jib, yeah. if you will. Um, so we'll have to uh, get to his comments coming up. And it is, uh, there's like there's like eight other there's like eight other assistant coaches and uh, new promoted guys up there in the podium yesterday. They just uh, was t- <laughs> just lining them up. Tom, and next. line them up and knock them down. Tom Clemens was up there talking like, "What brought you back to Green Bay?" He's like, uh, "Delta, Delta Air." Delta. Like, oh. Delta. <laughs> yeah. They're like Delta. What brought you back to like a like Aaron Rodgers got you out of retirement? Whatever. He's like, uh, Delta. That's like uh I was in the Dells once, uh well, more than once, but uh there for a weekend with a whole bunch of buddies and we're having breakfast at IHOP before we leave on Sunday. <laughs> and this table next to us notices like because you know, they have some people come in who aren't from around here. Yeah. And the guy goes Oh, where are you from? And she said where she was from. And he was like, How did, how, what got you here? <laughs> a plane. I was yeah. like, Oh, a okay. plane. <laughs> yeah, Tom Clemens, I'll try to get the, I don't have the audio handy, but I'll try to find it. It was just like, What got, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers brought him out of retirement. What about you? Delta. Speaking, oh, okay. of, Delta. speaking of Aaron oh, Rodgers, did anyone see the clip of Aaron Rodgers? Throwing the interception? <laughs> yeah. yeah and did. then getting pissed off. I didn't think was he was. Was that just that a man. kid or was it? Yeah, I think they were probably high schoolers. Yeah, just what, California or something, I think. Yeah, probably like a local high school. Yeah, Rodgers was out um, in some like high school scrimmage. Well, he literally tried to fit it between like four guys, and one guy ends up picking it off <laughs> yes. and runs the ball to him, and Pro- he turns around and kind of pit- he's like gets pissed a little. Ran the ball. Uh, did you to see him? some people like? This. Did you see some people freaking out and like he's legit mad? Did you see what yeah, he did I to did. that it's kid? Like, he is not mad. He, he, okay, so the kid picks him off. Yeah, and there yeah, the was kid one beaming ear to ear. Yeah, when there was I one kid yeah. in the back of the end zone. You can clearly see Aaron Rodgers is trying to look him off, mm-hmm. but there's like three or four defenders around this kid. Like he clearly is trying to fit it into a window that's no bigger than we are wide. Yeah. yeah. And and he, it gets picked off by one of the kids. And he's just, yeah, smiling, comes running, doesn't run it back, just runs it right back, back to, to Rodgers. Rogers. Gives him the ball. Rogers takes it and as the kid kind of turns away, turns and just fires yeah. it at him. Now, he didn't fire it like, hey, I'm Brett Favre. I'm going to break your fingers, no, Donald Driver. It was just, like just kind of like a get out of here. Yeah. And people online were, we're like, freaking look at, out. He's, he's real mad. Look at what he did to the kid. Look at Aaron Rodgers choking like, on the goal line again. Oh. Come on. It's yeah. like, it's a fun little scrimmage. Let's all calm down. A little. It was hilarious. Yeah, the kid picks up. Rodgers, he's beaming ear to ear, gives the ball back to Rodgers, and the kid runs away, turns his back, and Rodgers just chucks the ball at his back. And I'm going to be honest, you can't see the entire because you're like kind of you're you're kind of behind Aaron Rodgers and at an angle, mm-hmm. so you can't see the entire field. If there were that many guys where he was trying to look them all off to throw <laughs> it to the one kid that was literally like triple or quadruple covered, I'm going to guess there was an easy throw wide open while they were running this uh, this play. <laughs> Where he could have like thrown it to Jimmy in the corner who was standing by himself. Because there's oh. no way you can have three, four guys around one player with not someone else running open when you're doing like a seven on seven drill. So it's it's the normal way he plays. Yeah, I think he yeah. literally was just oh, like, okay. I'm going to just try and fit this into the smallest little window possible. And the kid actually picked him <laughs> Watch off. Watch me impress these kids. Oh, no. Yeah, and the kid's like, I got you, Rogers. I picked you up. It was pretty funny, man. So uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to find everyone that was on the podium yesterday for the Packers. Uh, Jerry Montgomery, Ryan Down, uh, Downward, uh, Jason Rebovich. Uh, let's see here, Adam Stenovich, Jason Vrabel, Tom Clemens, Luke Buckus, John Dunn, and Rich Basaccia all on the podium yesterday. 
uh, for the Green Bay Packers. The NFL Draft upcoming in Vegas, April 28th. We're two weeks and one day away from the NFL Draft when that reigns supreme from, what, Thursday, Friday to Saturday. So excited to uh, see what all unfolds for Brian Gutekunst and company. Uh, we'll get to the Rich Bisaccia comments, and I'll try and find about uh, Tom Clements <laughs> using the deadpan joke of, you know, what, what brought you back here? Delta. Uh, Delta. All right, so Rich Bisaccia could be walking in big pimping for the Green Bay Packers. This dude is tasked with fixing the special teams. Um, maybe a Herculean task. You do have Snoop Dogg's nephew now to help you out. It's got to motivate someone, right? Yo, cuz, you can meet my uncle. Snoop, if you play well. So Rich Bisacci on the podium along with like eight other assistants yesterday uh, for the Green Bay Packers. I saw that. And um, Bisacci, I'll tell you this, he's been saying all the right things, man, with his, uh, what he was talking about yesterday. It was, uh, it was kind of a breath of... Fr- now, here's the thing. All these coaches say the right things, except um, Mo Drayton. Remember Mo Drayton last year? Or he's like, he's like, if anyone feels the worst about what's going on, it's me. And we're out there, we're going to fix it. And he was talking about like love and peace and hugging and kissing and yada, yada, yada. It's like, all right, dude, like we, I think we need some, some discipline, some tough love for the Packers special teams. Ritz Passaccia, though, talks about what his expectations are to fix said special teams. Take a Those listen. Those guys got to learn to care about each other. They got to know what to do, and they got to do what they know. They got to compete with relentless effort, and they got to find a way to improve every day. There's going to be a standard set, just like there is for our offense and our defense. There's going to be an expectation from us that we're going to hold them to the standard. All right, so my question is, to hold them to the standard, what are you going to do if they start effing up like they did last year? Because I don't think uh, Mo Drayton was holding anyone to the standard or, or Matt LaFleur was holding anyone to the standard. Mm-mm. You guys remember all year the special teams were a problem and the Packers literally did absolutely nothing to address it. Now, <clears throat> Mo Drayton was brought in from same tree as Sean Meninga. Yes. And we've talked about how they finally went outside of the coaching staff, not hiring from within. Basaccia is a guy that when John Gruden was canned due to those emails and, and stuff surfacing. Basaccia was the guy that coming from special, they didn't grab the offensive coordinator. No. They did not grab the defensive coordinator. No. They grabbed mm-hmm. the special teams coach, Basaccia. The interim. And yes, they made him the interim and he actually took the Raiders. And I think everyone thought, oh, they'd play hard for like a game or two and then it'd wear off and they'd just kind of nope. go they down in flames. Going. Yeah, they kept winning. They were actually a solid team. They made the playoffs. They actually lost to Cincinnati in a game that was questionable. It was due indeed. to remember the whistle and potentially stepping out of bounds. Yeah. With the receiver in the back of the end zone where Joe Burrow threw the touchdown. Mm-hmm. That was a team that played in the Super Bowl for the AFC and the Raiders down to the wire may have had a bad call. But yeah, they were they were a solid playoff team. That was their first berth in five years with Rich Basaccia as their interim head coach. He's obviously a leader of men because yeah. you wouldn't have leader picked a special teams coach to be your interim if you really believed in your offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator because those are kind of your bigger secondary coordinators that you'd look to, right? Yep. Right. 
Like, do you think if Matt LaFleur went down, who do you think would have been the head coach? I would have went out on a limb and Mo said... Mo Drayton. Not Mo Drayton, <laughs> but you'd probably go with, like, Nathaniel Hackett, right? Yeah. His OC or the guy that works with the... Bring back well, Ron Zook. Technically, isn't he the... He was the OC, but we all know it's like uh, LaFleur is the head coach only, yeah. and, yes. and the OC, but he had the title. You would have went with Hackett, though. You weren't going to go with Mo Drayton. Yeah, I mean, you can't just name Aaron Rodgers the head coach. You got to have his mouthpiece, Nathaniel Hackett, be the head or coach. Even, or even... Uh, uh, two years ago, if LaFleur was out and maybe they weren't super confident in Hackett, they would have went with Mike Pettin, who had who had won some games with a yeah, terrible the Cleveland team. You're not going to Sean Meninga. So yeah. Basaccio does talk about his uh, past success as a special teams coordinator. He's been doing it for a long time. As Rowdy was just talking about, you know, getting the tab to interim head coach, getting the Raiders to the playoffs for the first time in five years. He talks on, you know, his success that he's had throughout the years. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of good players. And a lot of players that have bought into the four things I gave you earlier. And a lot of players that have uh, been excited about playing professional football for a way of life. And so it's really just player driven. You know, it's, it's certainly a, an opportunity to teach football and maybe teach some life lessons and maybe get guys to find a way to be the glue. I love it. So Basaccia also talks on why he chose the Green Bay Packers. Why come here to the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, the Green Bay Packers. You know, for me uh, personally, the opportunity to be at one of the marquee National Football League teams that sets a standard, has an expectation to play to that standard every day, along with my excitement and my new energy after meeting and visiting with Coach LaFleur. You know, what he's done here in a very short period of time, you know, it's unprecedented. And he continues to say why he's excited. I can't wait to get up in the morning and coach football, right? That's just what I've done for so long. It's a way of life for me as well as it is for the, the other coaches here. And as far as special teams go, again, I, I kind of live in a one-play mentality world myself, you know. So I'm just really concentrating on the moment and, and being where I am and seeing what we can do, what I can do, what all our players can do to improve every day. And I think the biggest question is how do you fix last year, right? You were last in the league in special teams, and that's the reason why you got bounced from the playoffs. But the Packers, you have to remember – this is the guy they expect to fix things because mm-hmm. they gave him more money than what the standard special teams coach commands. Yeah. They went out and paid for him. And are you telling me this is kind of like a Reggie White God told me to come here kind of situation? I'm not, no, I'm not Dodgers, saying that. But, but the, the thing with like Basachi is he's, he's been around. But imagine when he talks about coming to an organization that believes in you know, winning a certain standard and playing up to that standard and winning Super Bowls. He came from the Las Vegas Raiders, a.k.a. the Oakland Raiders, who their little, you know, slogan or motto used to be just win, baby, baby, or or even commitment to excellence. But the thing is, there hasn't been a a ton of commitment to excellence out in Oakland or or, uh, Las Vegas since you could either you could argue that Al Davis died. Well, there there also hasn't been a commitment to excellence for the Packers special teams for quite some time. For a long time. But that's not the Packers saying. No. So the standard (laughs) he's talking about for the and the Packers standard for special teams has always been pretty low. So he brings a new standard. A high standard. It's been low since 2008. Didn't we trace it back to to that? The the lineage of firing? I think that was the hiring from within type type deal. Yeah. So Basashi talks on um, how he fixes what happened last year. Everyone wants to look at one play, you know, or two plays that happened in the playoff game. But you can go back over my career. I mean, we won a Super Bowl in 2002 and got a pump locked in the game for a touchdown, but still won the game. So I think you can look at every game as a special teams coach. It's rare that you come out of the game and you pat yourself on the back and go, yeah, we had a hell of a game today. There's just too many plays. So we're going to look to try to improve in everything we do every day. 
I, I love it. I, I mean, he's saying all the right stuff, man. I dig I, it. I get it. You can't. As a special teams coach, you rarely pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Say, we had a hell of a game. I think I think uh, after seeing the Packers special teams last year, uh, Bisaccia will be patting a lot of people on the back this coming year. The, I mean, it can only go up. There's no way it can get worse. I'd say it's because they like were the worst. in the butt. It's like, get out there and do your job. Uh, and speaking of that, while we were talking about... They took her job. They took her jobs. Speaking of that, Versace did talk about the, the Packers and uh, Keyshawn Nixon, that Snoop Dogg's nephew. His nephew? His nephew. So he talks on him a little bit. Yeah, Keyshawn, he's just a really good teams player. He's got a great mentality. He's fast. He's physical. He don't take any from anybody. He can really run. So uh, I'm excited about Keyshawn being part of the Packers. And he might get to meet Snoop Dogg. I feel like that's a guy that uh, he he could care less who his uncle is. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Versace is a guy that's uh, (laughs) no-nonsense type guy that he could care less if you're... They don't know that. If you're your uncle Snoop Dogg or Snoopy the dog. He's he's good. He'll be like, oh my gosh, it's Snoop when he shows up to practice. I bet you anyone would be pretty excited to meet Snoop Dogg. Yeah. You know, I would be. It'd be sweet. Snoop. Oh, no. Not Snoop. Lil Wayne coming to Summerfest, who's also a Green Bay Packers fan. Green and yellow. Weezy F baby. Baby. All right, so, yeah, there's uh, Bisaccia saying all the right things on the podium. The question is, though, can he follow through? And I think he can. Yeah. You don't stay around in the NFL for as long as he has if you're uh, just some ho-hum flash in the pan coach. Bisaccia going to be nice. All right, news of the weird coming up. Just the instrumental? Yeah, this is just the instrumental. Okay. (laughs) If I were to play the actual one. Yeah. We'd be shut down pretty quick. Masachi is bobbing his head right now. <laughs> All right, 608-321-1670, Twitter. That's it, Zone Madison. Brewers going to win yesterday. I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, new point guard, though, for Wisconsin. As we were talking a little off air, Bo Ryan's son, Will Ryan, the coach of the Green Bay Phoenix, UW Green Bay Phoenix, and they are not a good club. The Badgers no, annihilated them. 72-34. Yeah, it was... Uh, just an ass whooping a bit. And that was one of the few real big blowouts that uh, Wisconsin had this year. Correct. Yep. That's one of their few covers, right? <laughs> Do you remember the spread of that game, Rowdy, by chance, off the top of your head? Like 12 it or something? It wasn't 40. No. All right. So <laughs> in that game, though, you know, they, they're not the, they were not the greatest of a team. Wisconsin obviously has some open spots when it comes to their roster. Um, Transfer Portal is now why uh, Kamari McGee. The UW-Green Bay guard is now the backup point guard for the Badgers. He, what, started 21 games, averaged 11.6 points, 2.8 rebounds, and 1.9 assists. Shot 38% from, almost almost 39% from the field. Uh, Let's see here. Over over the final five games of the season, McGee averaged 17.6 points while shooting 50.7% from the field and 40% from three-point range. Yeah. Well, hopefully that carries over to his his three point average on the year though is like twenty seven percent. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, put really, in Racine from Racine as well. Really inside the arc, a guy who will get towards the basket has a nice pull up shot. Um, shot forty three percent from inside the arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I honestly, a backup point guard or a guy you can put uh, next to um, Chucky and have two guys who could really do that um that's not i think I, I think ideally hopefully you bring in uh yeah. a shooting guard but this isn't uh, like this it, isn't like you it's know a good gang, addition it's not like gangbusters but it is a solid addition for you the know bench. who else shot 38.8 percent from the field uh this past year Homest. chucky chucky Hepburn. well i was gonna say first when you started reading off those stats about uh you know 
how he was shooting from behind the arc. I was going to say fits right in with the team last year. But uh, when I was looking at uh, McGee coming in from UWGB, I saw a lot of people saying that they had a really good shot at at, uh, basically signing him and getting a commitment out of him. And obviously that bodes true. But one of the tweets that I actually saw that kind of perked up my my eyes and ears was an Evan Flood tweet. And obviously Evan Flood covers Badger basketball, Badger football, and a lot of recruiting stuff. Stoughton alum, right, Rowdy? He is. Uh, His tweet was referred to him. So this is referring to McGee as the mid-major Chucky Hepburn in high school. He has instincts and tangibles that you just can't teach. Makes everyone around him better. Interested to see how Wisconsin can develop him over the next three years. So, yeah, you have because he's eligible. This isn't just a one time grad transfer. He'll be here for a year and he's out. Uh, he's going to be here for a few years, but I, I, when he said it was a mid major Chucky Hepburn coming out of high school to him, I mean, we saw what Chucky Hepburn did as a true freshman starting for yeah. the Wisconsin Badgers at point guard. Yep. He distributed the basketball, played great defense and shot the ball decently well. And if you have a guy that was able to go in and play roughly as much as Chuck, Chucky Hepburn did, but at a smaller level, mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to grow. It's kind of like the Johnny Davis, I'm going to leave now because I need to play against better competition. Maybe this kid wasn't quite at that Big Ten level freshman year, but he took that step playing because he got to play all the time. I like that. He got to go against Horizon League players who maybe weren't quite as physical or as good as Big Ten players, but he he grew throughout the year because I think RJ mentioned he started producing the second half of the season at a higher clip than where he was at. You bring him in. Yeah, this is this is he's he's not going to start over Chucky Hepburn, but it's going to give you depth and at the very least he's a guy that has upside and ability that can also he's going to be there. Lauren Bowman was not there. Yeah, he's going to be there. He, he's going to be there. He's all in to play basketball. And then three he's, years, he's not going to say all of a sudden I can't play or Hey, uh, wishy-washy on playing the rest of the yep. season. He's going to be there and it's going to be nice. Yeah. And he wants to and be he, there. He's going to be there he's from the state and he chose to come to Wisconsin when I'm sure there was a lot of other teams that were checking him out in the transfer portal. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's from Racine. He then went to UW green Bay and now he's a badger. This is a Wisconsin guy through and through who wants to be here eligible immediately as three years of eligibility remaining. Also was, uh, let's see here, the three-time Horizon League Freshman of the Week and was chosen for the Horizon League All-Freshman team. And I don't know this for a fact. Maybe maybe one of you would know this a little bit better. Great hair. Does Will, does Will Ryan run kind of like a hybrid swing? Uh, that's what I would guess. His dad was Bo Ryan. Yeah, kind of made yeah. it famous, right? Yeah, he, runs the, he, he, run, he runs a camp, too, and he invites Bo Ryan to yeah, help coach. I, I, wouldn't you say that probably UWGB's offense is somewhat similar yep. to what Wisconsin runs based on Greg Gard being uh, Bo Ryan's longtime assistant? So I can't imagine the offense is that much different. So, so you're coming into closer to the same offense. It's not all of a sudden he went to Kentucky and now he's got to run up and down the court and it's a, it's a big time different game. I don't think the apple will fall fall far from the coaching tree when Will to yes, Bo to will. will Ryan. Come on. I, I wouldn't say like I, I don't think unless this, he's one of those where he's like I don't, I hate you dad I want to be everything opposite of you. 
I, I don't oh, think this so signing far, yes. at this point, <laughs> I would consider it a home run where it was like, hey, we're getting this huge impact player that's going to take us uh, back to the NCAA tournament next year after losing a lot of top end guys. Yeah. But I'd call it like a double. Yeah, I like, like it. I like, like it. Like it's not, it's a guy that could grow. Yeah. But, but it's not like a, it's not a single where it's like, well, we got Jacoby Neath. Yeah. Or oh, it, it's, and, and <laughs> reading some Neath. of the things I saw from like his high school coach and things like that, um, anybody you, I've seen put words to to paper or tweets quoting stuff. Uh, selfless guy who is like kind of a backbone kind of guy who will do what it takes to get his playing time to if he's asked to be a role player, he'll take that role. Uh, so like he, that that's kind of the fit you want to see come to come to Wisconsin. Like when I I know now I see that. BJ yeah, he's like he's got to be Neath better than well. Neath. He's like he's well, got to like, be better than Neath. Okay, you saw Jacoby Neath when they grabbed him in the portal. He was a kid that didn't play a ton. When he played, he didn't shoot the ball necessarily very well, and he turned the ball over a lot. But he had years of eligibility. Like you knew that that was a project that had not a high ceiling. Yeah, I think this guy's got a much higher ceiling. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it. Like a, an awful move, but it's it's not a home run. No, it's, just, it's yeah. solid for the bench. It's, it's it, and makes your, it does make your team better because you grow. needed you needed backup point guards that actually had a ceiling to yep. to move into something and that could actually play point guard. Yeah. All right, Rowdy, Christian Yelich, you were up. How what time did you go to bed last night? Probably one. <laughs> time did you get up then? Five. Five. Yeah. All right, so you had a lot of time to think about the Razor's Edge, your bet coming up again at 8.50 here, and Christian Yelich. So I think it was a few days ago. Where Remember when we were talking about Christian Yelich and his struggles, and I said every time, especially, man, since that 2019 season, but, but more importantly in 2021, mm-hmm. he was just pulling off the ball so hard. Uh, watching decently good pitches go by and, and just when he did swing, he was swinging and missing at, at pitches that he was putting into the seats. Yeah. So I, I couldn't sleep last night. I was kind of curious and I, I wanted to go look back and look at some of his numbers, look at some of his spray charts and kind of, of look at the hitter that he was. Cause I kind of had this theory that I was thinking about and When he was with Miami, he was like a spray hitter. He could hit it to uh, left. He could hit it to center. He could hit it to right. Now being a left-handed hitter, he was, he was really good at going the other way or going up the middle. He also hit the ball more on the ground when he was in Miami. Well, my biggest thing, if you remember a couple days ago, I said with how he's struggling and pulling off the ball, it's like he's stepping in a bucket, trying to pull everything. Mm Mm-hmm. All I would tell him to do if I was the third hitting coach is literally just look to take everything (laughs) up the middle or to left field because sitting there having to go the other way, it allows the baseball to travel deeper and you get a better, better or in a little, because we're talking about when guys are throwing 98 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. you, you have to make these decisions in a split second, right? Yes. If you allow the ball to travel farther, you have a little bit more of an opportunity to keep your head on the baseball, to see the baseball and for the baseball to travel, which means if you stay on it, I'm trying to explain it. Like if you stay on it, it gives you just that slight fraction of a second, better chance of being there. And and it allows you to, to keep everything even moving through the plane of your swing. 
That's why you've seen him have so much success going to center and left field. Because where did he crank the his last few hits? They've left. all been to center or left. Center or left. And every time he you see him pulling off and trying to pull the baseball, you see a weak little grounder to the first or second baseman on the right side of the infield. So I did some digging because I was curious. And my theory was, what have we heard about Christian Yelich? That he took PEDs, that he <laughs> Sign stole signs, and that he still hasn't physically been right yes. with either the back the and kneecap. or the kneecap. Well, the other day I told you straight up, I don't think Christian Yelich is a PED user. No, neither do I. I told you too, the sign thing is more realistic to me than the PEDs. But here was the thing. If he really had somebody out in the stands giving him signs or somebody not maybe banging on trash cans, but somebody giving him signs, that was a great theory in 2020 when there was no fans. Fans are back in the stands. It's it's basically normal at the ballparks. Whatever they were doing prior, they could just hide it just as easy now. You still see kind of those same. Someone's in the stands sending them signals or whatever, like kind of like the strollers banging on a trash can or something like that. So I kind of had this this theory that uh, something has to be off with Christian Yelich's swing. And I, and I think I actually might have funded. So if you go back and look at all of his spray charts, starting from 2013 and in 2013, Christian Yelich was a rookie, yeah. 21 years old, wasn't as physically, you know, as strong as he is now, wasn't as developed. Clearly that's everybody at age 21 versus age 30. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that he literally took the majority of his hits from center to left field, which is exactly what I was saying he needed to get back to to kind of get his basics back. That was basically him from 2013 to 2015. The majority of his hits, and you can look at his spray charts, were center to left. Now, it's not saying he never hit the ball to right. You get what I'm saying. The majority majority, center to left. It was center to left where he made solid contact. Well, His bread and butter. In 2016 is the first year where his power numbers went from, uh, you know, single digits to 21, 28 in 2017. And those were his last couple of years with the Marlins. Well, if you go back and you look at, at some of Christian Yelich's numbers, and I'm talking like his exit velocity, his, you know, barrel percentages, all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich has relatively stayed really, really good. Even though he's struggling, if you look at his 18 and his 19 years, his swing percentages, like he's not chasing, he's actually been better when it comes to plate discipline and and taking pitches that are off the plate and not swinging at bad pitches. His, His miss and whiff rates are all relatively across the board pretty close. The one big thing that that has grown since he started to hit for power. And and you can go back to 2016 where it started to improve is his launch angle. And that's a huge thing in baseball, especially recently. They love their launch launch angle. 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 Well, if you're a guy that's a spray hitter that all of a sudden you're hitting the ball, like 50% of the time on the ground, but you're taking it to center and left you're you're letting the ball travel deeper in on you. If you ever watch like a Dante Bichette, remember him, the former big leaguer, there's some of these guys that talk about launch angle and hitting the baseball. 
when you hit launch angle wise, it's all about kind of like your swing process, how your swing goes through the zone, but also where you hit the baseball. So if you're talking about, I'm a guy that hits it from center to left, I'm letting the baseball travel in on the plate in on me. When I'm a guy that's hitting for power, like the JD Martinez who made the, the um, launch angle famous, I want to get out in front of the plate and hit the baseball and that means you're more or less you're pulling the baseball, yeah. but you want to make contact out in front of the baseball on a certain plane with your swing. Like when you're behind it, you're more center cut where you're hitting, um, you know, you're kind of hitting the center of the baseball. If you're out in front, you're kind of hitting the front of the baseball because we know or the bottom of the baseball because we know the the ball coming from a pitcher off the mound, the mound's raised, the ball's got to come down, down a little bit. Yeah. So you're a little bit coming up and hitting it. It's kind of like the Joe DiMaggio, <laughs> I'd rather hit the middle of the baseball uh-huh. to Ted Williams having, I want to have the slight uppercut. Sure. Both great hitters, both hit for average, both hit for power, just different ways to go about it. Well, the one thing is that you see his, his launch angle went from 2.7 in 2016 to 4.6 and 17. And you saw that boost in, in uh, home run numbers yep. in those two seasons. That's a far cry from his launch angle from 13 to 15. He was hardly at 1% really? of a launch angle. Like he was literally hitting it on the straightest plane ever. Just right through, cut right and, through. And now obviously you don't need it to be 90% because if you're hitting it at 90%, you're basically hitting straight up in the air. Yeah. But if you look at his his uh, 2018, he raised that launch angle again to five percent. And if you look at his spray charts, so I he told started you, at one percent. Now he's at five. Yeah. If you if you look at his spray charts, it went from center to left. All of a sudden, in 18, it was a lot of like right center to mm-hmm. left with some left. But then when you look at his 2019, his launch angle went over 11%. Oh, my God. It, it nearly doubled. Yeah. And if you look at his spray charts, he started hitting a ton of balls into the pole field, into left field. But yet he was also hitting them all over. Sure. Now, in 2020, he was actually really productive when it came to home runs and RBIs. He just couldn't hit worth a crap with average. His spray chart in 2020 was even heavier to, or was just as heavy almost as his 2019 and 2020. Mm -hmm. He just happened to, he wasn't, he didn't have as high of a, a barrel contact. If that makes sense. He wasn't hitting as many barrels in 2020, but he was still having a lot of pull power. His spray charts look about the same. Now his launch angle decreased in 2020. But if you look at it, he was still on pace to hit about 36 home runs. If they played an entire season, sure. it would have been arguably his second or third best year uh, power wise. Well, now 2021, he fell completely back off the map. He, his launch angle decreased down to, to 7% when he was in his, his hot spots he was hitting his launch angles were were closer to double digits. Once he fell below like the the fives is when he started to not be the guy that has the power. Now, when you're hitting for power, you want to pull the baseball most of the time because that's where the majority of people's power comes from. You're pulling. There's something off with his swing and his launch angle when it comes to swinging and trying to pull the baseball. It's something where if you look at his 2020 and 2021, they also have a statistic where you're hitting under the baseball versus over the baseball. Sure. He's missing more under or over the baseball. That's why when you're, when you see him mess up 
a lot of times it's that weak grounder because he's barely topping the baseball. There's something about his swing path when he's trying to pull the baseball that's just very off right now. That's why you see when he takes it up the middle or left, he's like the old borderline all-star Christian Yelich. Yeah. Because it's kind of going back to what he looked like. He's trying He's trying to be the guy that can hit it into the, the power field, into his pull, but something is off. I personally think, like I said, he needs to go back. We need to build back from where he was at. We need to completely scrap everything, go back to being the guy that hit from center to right or center to left field. Yep. And once you can build on that, then start to incorporate the, Hey, now that we've got this plane of our swing back, now we'll go back to hitting for power. We'll go back to trying to pull the baseball, but we got to get confidence hitting the ball together. And I, I think the, the biggest thing with this is I think if Christian Yelich does the home run derby, I don't even care if he has five home runs or 10 get home runs in. at the all-star break, get him in the home run derby because what's, what do you have to change to get consistently hit home runs? You have to change your launch angle in a home run. Derby. Get it back to that eleven percent. You can't just swing seven to eleven percent you know, straight through the straight through the baseball and expect to hit home runs. Now he's going to have to change his launch angle in that home run derby, and it's hard to do it in a game where you consistently have guys throwing ninety eight and then dropping a curveball sure, or a slider. Sure. He's going to be getting those sixty five mile an hour fastballs right down the middle. You let, and that's the other thing. Home run, home run derby. You're having fun. You're not thinking about it. Like Christian yeah, Yelich is obviously thinking about some of his struggles the last couple of years, and we've been talking about how it seems yeah, sure like it's it a lot in of mental, yeah. and and maybe not as physical. And then people will blame it on a back because it was sore for a month. Yeah, he's getting in his own head at the home run derby. Get his ass in the home run derby. Chucking it to you every two seconds. You're not thinking, but you got to change the angle of your bat to consistently hit it out. So get I his ass in the home run derby. And if you look at past guys, what what do you know about home run derby? You hear about everyone saying, "Oh, it wrecked their swing." Those were guys that were hitting the baseball well and at a high clip. Yeah. This is a guy if he continues to play like this, he wasn't hitting home runs or hitting the ball well at a high clip. That maybe this will this is like the reverse you know, uh, reverse engineering this. Like he's already off, throw him into the derby where he's got to hit home runs. Maybe he'll find that, that groove. Juan Soto was a guy that was amazing when he came up and he just hit his 100th home run at 19 years old. He kind of fell into a rough patch last year where he just, he was hitting the ball hard as hell, but he wasn't hitting for power. All of a sudden, he did the home run derby. He crushed the second half of his season yeah. and was crushing the baseball. And And people say that free, easy swinging and that change in launch angle actually helped him in the derby. And there's been guys in the past that you can say the exact same. Big Poppy in the uh, early 2010s was another guy. Pete Alonzo actually cr- continued to crush after the home run derby. Remember when he had his coming out? Oh, yeah, party? I remember. I remember. Like those, so a lot, there are a lot of cases where it hurt people, but some of the people that are, are using that snap them angle, out of something. It can snap them out. And I do slump really, buster for Yelly. It, it just makes so much sense that something is off when he pulls the baseball. Cause every single time you see him hit it from up the middle to that left field, he hits the ball hard. So it, you, have you ever seen him? Unless he completely misses the ball and it's like one of those swinging bunts that you'll see occasionally down the third baseline, everything he hits there is hard because he's squaring it up. He he's for some reason when he, when he became a big pull heavy power guy. Now since that twenty twenty season, 
He's just missing the baseball. He's either a little high or a little low. And we're seeing that because he's, he's pulling off. It's just let him try the home run derby and see if having fun and just going about changing his swing in a, in so, a time where he's got to do it very quickly for a amount of time. I think you might be able to get back that 2018, 19 Christian Yelich or else if, if he can't do it and it's still in his head, just let him be a guy that that sprays the ball over all over the field, and instead of looking for 30, 40 home runs, he'll get you 15, 20, but he's going to be a much better hitter. So long story short, get his ass in the home run derby. And, then, and that launch angle back to get Yelly back to where we love the middle's MVP almost should have been back-to-back MVP years. Uh, our guy Dane on Twitch says, let's see here, Rowdy. Um, what a effing deep dive by Rowdy on Yelly. And he said that 10 minutes ago. Now take a look at why my marriage is failing. Can you stay up till one o'clock in the morning and go to deep dive in Dane's marriage and why it's failing? <laughs> I don't know if I want to uh, get that. Dane, deep I think in. it's launch angle, but uh, you got to angle something a little differently. Um, there's this mythical thing called the G spot. Maybe find that. Good morning. Uh, thanks for staying on hold for like twenty minutes. Who's this? Hey, well, it's Big Jaws. Oh, I'll do anything for you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, Big Jaws gonna ask you about the G spot, but you don't know nothing about that. How was the concert <laughs> last night? You know, that was one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. You can kind of tell by my voice. Sounds kind of the same to me, but you were singing along with uh, Rise Against, yeah? Uh, in the words of Tim McElrath, we gave it all last night, Ebo. That a, that a baby. Uh, Big Joe, what would you think of Rowdy's deep dive on Christian Yelich? You seen the movie uh, Rain Man? Rowdy just went Rain Man on him. If you dropped a book of matches uh, in front of him, or toothpicks, I should say, Rowdy would be able to count I, it immediately. I was going to ask. Yeah, definitely, definitely, de- de- definitely 236 I, matches. De- de- definitely 236 toothpicks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was going to ask Nelson Evo if he could do a deep dive on uh, my strategy for the sit of my walk this year. Oh, they, I'm glad to bring this up, Big Joe, because Rowdy. So you are the Michael Jordan of walking, correct? Correct. There's a new kid on the block, pun intended. Well, actually, not on the block, on the treadmill. Rowdy has now dubbed himself the LeBron James of walking. What's that movie quote, Evo, from back in the day? There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is like Reggie something. I can't remember. So, Nelly, are you going to sign up for the Sentinel My Walk? I'm too lazy to do that. Oh, I'll be Rowdy. With you. He was, was going to take you down, Big Joe. I'd, you would have been but, shaking in your I boots. I mean, if you want tips, you got to make sure that the, the arms are coming out and you're getting nice, yeah, long strides. <laughs> nice definitely, definitely long strides. Yeah, definitely long strides. Definitely, definitely. I'll be honest with you, buddy. I walk every day at work, and it's like... I, literally I walk every day, too. That's crazy. No, Evo, it's like literally I'm doing like 10 miles a day in the warehouse, though, because it's so awesome. Yeah, I, just, I go up and down the stairs and everything. You know, Man, I go up I and down have, stairs here at work, too. I ain't no 10 miles, but... No, exactly. But no, I don't have like a forklift or anything like that. I just literally, I got to walk to those. Yeah, I don't think you're forklift certified, are you? No. Oof. See, that's why you're not on a forklift. I don't even want to drive a forklift. That's ironic, though, because I grew up a farm kid, so I could probably figure it out. It's just, it's not my thing. Think a lot of forklifts on farms, Big Joe? What's that, Evo? I grew up on a hobby farm. We never had a forklift. No, I can drive a tractor, but I just cannot do a forklift. Too much safety responsibility on that. Yeah, you like to live on the edge, don't you? I like to live dangerously, my friend. I, too, like to live dangerously. Well, Big John, uh, glad you had a good time last night. Yeah, always. I'm excited for the Bucks on Sunday. Uh, and also, no, one last thing with Yelich. I was talking to my brother Luke about it. I think... The Bulls? Year when he, uh, yeah, when, when, Nel, Nelly, when uh, Yelich won the MVP that year, we all were thinking, and Luke was telling me the other day, the main reason he won it is because the Brewers' bullpen was telling him what was going on. There's, like, some science feeling and all that good stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's been baseball, Evo, mm-hmm. and like my stepdad Dale was saying too. Who, Dale? 
Yeah. Uh, science has been going on for years, Evo. Yeah. You're never going to stop it. Yeah, never. Big Joe, much love, buddy. Glad you had a good time last night. Awesome, And you better be looking out behind your your bat. You know, be looking behind your shoulder there, Big Joe. You got the LeBron James walking hot on your heels. We give it up. I see you, buddy. Adios. Yeah, Rowdy. Let's get a breakdown of Christian Yelich. You stayed up till 1 a.m. Was that all yelly till 1 a.m.? Well, I couldn't sleep, and then I'm like, I've been thinking about might this well rolling, figure out rolling around. You know, I might as well not keep myself up thinking about might as well figure some, out some takes, but uh, figure out might Yelly. as well look at some stuff.